privilege to be together. And then today we are kicking off a new series called The Promotable Life. And I couldn't tell you how excited I am for the series. I preached a one-off preach about four years ago. And that one-off preach has just never left me. The idea, the thought, and I've always wanted to take it further and we are now taking it further as we jump into the book of Joseph. Who's heard Joseph before? You've seen Joseph. And Joseph's famous for his multicolored coat that his dad gave him. He's famous for Potiphar's wife. He's famous for saving a nation. And so we're going to jump into the series and we're not going to rush through it as we look at the, when, when man's potential encounters God's power through an incredible story of grace. I mean, this is a roller coaster story. You, you can't put this stuff together. There's nothing on TV. If you're a 90s baby, especially young ladies, will remember a name, Jason Donovan. Who, who, who had a picture of Jason Donovan on their wall? This is church. There we go. Louise had a picture of Jason Donovan singing his uh, amazing song from Joseph. I might claim to fame, just I want to boast only in the Lord, but every now and again, in grade six, school plays, house plays, I was Joseph. Basically, I said, who's the Jason Donovan amongst Just saying I won Best Actor. 1990, go look it up, Google it. It's big news, really. And, um, but I want to give three big ideas and then preach a simple preach to provoke us. We are going to do six weeks in the, in the book of Genesis. There is no book of Joseph, if you're looking at your table context. Just in case you can't find it, I'm like, you think I'm not preaching from the Bible. There's no book of Joseph. He's in the book of Genesis, right up front, the very first book. Same one with Adam and Eve and all that stuff. And, um, and, 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 but I want to present to us just three big ideas for the series that will massage through the series. And I think they're profound. And I think they're going to challenge. And I think when you look at Joseph's life, you realize the potential when we trust God. You realize that God is bigger than our current circumstances and He is not limited to our smallness of thinking and what we want to achieve. And, and you'll realize a bunch of things. First and foremost, I want to present this thought that might be slightly challenging to a number in the room is that promotion, although it overlaps blessing, is not the same as blessing. It's just not the same. And I explain to you, most people love the idea of the blessed life. I mean, that book flies off shelves. If you, you have hashtag blessing, it's in vogue to be hashtag blessed. I literally put in hashtag blessed on Instagram yesterday. I got 14.9 million links. And it's because it's this, if you're saying you're feeling lucky, if you've got something good, if there's fame or fortune or something happening in your life, it's hashtag blessed because the challenge is often blessing is about me. It lands on me. It's what I've received. Where the difference with promotion is, is actually God will use me, but it's about His glory. And here's the challenge of the gospel. The gospel says we are blessed. The challenge of hashtag blessed in our world is often it's a very nice and very subtle way of boasting. Let's be honest. New college scholarship, hashtag blessed. Uh, a new fancy Ford Mustang with hashed new wheels and um, spinning dials on the wheels. And I mean, the thing bops up and down, hashtag blessed. All glory to God. I'm sorry, but it's, it's, the, it's look at my wonderful family. And now there is truth to that blessing. There is truth to it, and that's the challenge. But we stay there and we get stuck there because I think the problem is we understand blessing is something of just when I'm receiving good. Well, Ephesians speaks to us as, you, as we look at Ephesians. It says, praise be to the God and Father, Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us. 
in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. Not financial, not hashtag best life. With every spiritual, we've been blessed. And then when you look at the Bible, there's 112 references in the ESV version about the word bless, blessing, or blessed. None of them, not a single one, connects blessing to material prosperity. Not one. And I can't take you through each 12, but the Bible says it things like this, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake's sake. Blessed are those who others revile and persecute you. Welcome to the Bible. Uh, uh, uh. But promotion, see promotion, is it a Bible thing? Have you ever even thought of that context? That my promotion in this life and the things that have happened in life, how are they related to God in my life? Have you ever processed that? So I realize most people don't. When there's a promotion on offer, well, I ask the salary, I ask this, I ask this perk, I ticked all the boxes, I did the pros and cons list, and obviously it's an open door, God must be in it. Honestly. Where actually, the Bible says, God is sovereign. He's in control of it all, he's on move, and then secondly, he's moving his providential hand in our lives which means his sovereignty is an operation in our lives. So promotion is this challenging thought. See, I don't know about you, but who doesn't want to be promoted? Like, you're actually like, I'm up for, some of you may be like, I'll take a demotion right now. Life's a bit stressful. But most people in life, if you ask a kid at school, and they want to be promoted from grade eight to nine. There are their promotion exams. They want to be promoted to captain of the team. In the marketplace, there's promotion. In sports teams, there's promotion. In the Fun Platzen house, there's promotion from the bottom bunk to the middle bunk to the top bunk. It's like, there's a whole system, really. And um, in the corporate world where I, I worked for uh, almost a decade, there was this list. You would be in a work grade, and then you'd work really hard, and you didn't get promoted. You got promoted to a list who could be promoted. It was like the teaser. You were like almost there, but you're not there. And, and the challenge was someone else would often get promoted who wasn't even on the list. And you're going with your hearts because you know on the other side of those promotions, there's potential increased financial opportunity. There's increased uh, profile. There's opportunities and lots of stuff. But when we get to promotion in the kingdom of God, the excitement in our hearts should be an increased influence for His glory. So when promotion comes on a man or a woman's life in business or whatever space, I'm getting excited. I'm getting excited because I'm saying, God, for your glory. When people sign big deals in the church, I'm getting excited. I'm going, God, for your glory. And so we've got to understand it's for his glory. And the challenge is we get stuck and we get stuck in some of the thinking that actually it's about us. It's only ever been this different. A promotion outside of God promotions in our lives is, is not for his glory. But when God steps in, it's different. And so we're gonna talk about the promotable life. See, here's the thing. I think you can be blessed by God in every way that he has, but not promotable. And we can look at Joseph's life and say, what was it about this man's life that kept on seeing? He, 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 he kept on being promoted. And if you don't know the story, please go and read it. He just keeps on being promoted. He goes to jail, promoted. He get, he's in parts of his house, promoted. He gets a, a, he's sitting in jail, and the, the nation leader, Pharaoh, has no answers. And a guy goes from jail to the second in the land in an instant. You think God can't do five million rand? 
God takes a man from jail in his stinky jail clothes and says, you're going to lead a nation. And so what is it about this man's life? Second big idea, and we've got to go through this quite quick, and each of these big ideas we're going to massage in the series as we do six weeks this work, this year and six weeks next year. Second all, simply this promotion comes from God. And what is it? What do I mean? 1 Peter 5 says it this way. So be content with who you are and don't put on airs. God's strong hand is on you. He'll promote you at the right time. Live carefree before God because he is most careful with you. Live carefree before God because he is most careful with you. You worried about the kids and their future? Trust that God is careful with our kids. Psalm 75 says this, For promotion cometh neither from the east, nor from the west, nor from the south. So the Bible has a lot to say about promotion. It's speaking to us. It's, it's challenging the wrong concepts of promotion comes from what I do, not who I am. No, Jesus takes a bunch of disciples, stinky fishermen, dodgy tax guy, a whole bunch of zealots, like he puts them together, says, actually, come, follow me, we're going to change the world. What have they done? Nothing. Promotion, another dodgy thought that we get stuck in promotion comes from the person who's above me, my boss. Why do you think you end up hating your boss? Because you're putting something on him that's not meant to be on him. It's on God. Release your boss from your future. Release your boss and your company and your directors for your destiny. Release your boss for the things that God has. Release them. And then you'll start serving them in ways that I'm telling you will change the world. Second, a couple of other dodgy thoughts we get stuck. Promotion comes from our accomplishment if I work really hard. And those things are important. We'll see. Joseph did all those things. Those are some of the promotable aspects. So you're starting to understand promotable? Good. Some of the truth about promotion, we spoke about it. God initiates it. God brings it to bloom in the life when we plant ourselves where he has us. And, and Joseph gets stuck in prison. If you haven't read the story, it's phenomenal. It's this unbelievable roller coaster ride. In prison, the prison warden gives him all responsibility of running the prison. How irresponsible. I mean, seriously. And yet, Joseph goes, I'm here. And you don't know the story yet if you haven't read it, but he shouldn't have been there. But he was there, so he thought, I'm going to flourish here. I'm going to thrive. Here. Will you thrive? Here, today, wherever God's got you. I'm going to challenge us with another thought. That promotion comes when we take on the attitude of a servant. Not necessarily the role or the title. Maybe your title is CEO, but will you take on the attitude of a servant? It says in Matthew 20, whoever wants to become great amongst you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Oh, we can't use that language, Mark. I didn't write it. The Bible did. God did. And promotion comes to good character, attempts to follow good character, and promotion comes to good stewards of our time, our talents, our treasure. Matthew 16, he is faithful a little, will always be faithful, and he will always be faithful in the match. God's. So, so I'm provoking us, because I think sometimes, well, I'm blessed. And so the attitude is, let me just sit here, God will do it. And we come to God like those classic Instagram scenes, Gabby mentioned Instagram, and I watched a young guy the other day, and the boss said to him, you can have the job today, and next year we'll double your salary. And the guy's answer was, cool, I'll come back next year. <laughs> a lot of us are like that with God. We're like, God, we want the best, so we're just going to park here until you do it. 
And, and there's even, we, we wrap some bad theology around it. Now, I'm not saying we don't believe in a gospel of grace. It's only ever been grace and Jesus and what he has achieved. But he says, walk with me, follow me, become like me. Third point, and simply this, God's got it. Big idea, you got it? This is not Jesus take the wheel stuff. I'm not driving, I'm not looking, I'm not looking. No, that's not what I'm talking about. This is trusting God and, and trusting scriptures that have, I'm telling you, been misunderstood. Romans 8, 28, you know it well. And we, that in all things, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. What is it saying? And what is the, what is the Bible provoking us? It says, God's always working. It's called his providence. We'll dive into that concept as we go in the series. Are you excited? Come on. It says all things. Oh, but God's working in my relationship, loving my new boyfriend. God's got me, but don't like my work. No, God's working in for those who he has called. And our only response is to trust him, to keep trusting him. And so we get stuck in these and, and, and affronted by these two big ideas. Number one, sovereignty. And maybe you've heard the word and you think, well, there's a new sovereign in England. So that must mean what it means. And Prince Charles is somehow king, sorry. King Charles, sovereign. Okay. Let me tell you about the true sovereign who can do what he wants, when he wants, however he wants. That's ultimate power. There's only one. The God of heaven. And then there's a misunderstood of providence because we think it means for God to provide. It's a bad interpretation of the word providence. Providence is God's sovereignty in action in our lives. So it's the God who can do what he wants, orchestrate what he wants, knows the call he's put in Yaku's life, knows the call he's put in Clint's life, knows the design, the DNA, and says, I'm going to work and make decisions and give him opportunities, and sometimes it's going to be a pit, and sometimes it's going to be in the top of the nation, but my providential hand will be upon your life. Welcome to the gospel. I think it's glorious. And so today we're looking at this roller coaster ride that starts as we encounter Joseph in chapter 37 and ends at his death in Genesis 50. So we're introduced to a 17-year-old man. 17 years. But I think as we jump into a series, the cool thing about a series that's a bit different to a one-off preach is we can, we can ask the questions, well, who is he at 17? What's happened in his life beforehand? Do you ever ask those questions when you read the Bible? Like we read some of these things. Well, obviously, Joseph becomes the second in the land. He wears the fanciest kit. He makes the decisions that save the nation. He must have had private school during upbringing. He must, he must have had good parents. He, he must have had all the privilege in the land. Now, I want to jump us back to a little bit of some of his story. And today is called hand-me-downs. The reason being is that the big thing about Joseph's story is his multicolored, technicolor dream coat. We know that. Okay, I'll sing the song next week because that's when we preach it, just for the Jason Donovan fans. And, um, but, but as you look at Joseph's clothes, he goes from hand-me-downs that he gets from his story, his family. He gets the dream coat. He gets the cloak of a servant. He gets prisoner's clothes. He gets stripped, and he gets prime minister clothes. And I think it's a great way to look at his story because I'm telling you, we each wear those sets of clothes at different times in our lives. All of us. And we have to constantly change. And, and in our house, hand-me-downs became a bit of a controversial thing because 
the Dyer family have three boys. So they would all wear the underpants that Mitchell wore, the shorts, the t-shirts, and then they would go to Thomas, then to James Dyer. Then they would sit in a cupboard for about three years, then they'd come to Judah van Pletsen, then to Ben van Pletsen, and then to a little man named Daniel James van Pletsen. The only problem with that was Daniel doesn't really have a bum. So all the shorts with the elastics were shot and the underpants with the elastics, they would just fall off him. And we realized at that very late stage that our third child's probably going to have issues from the fact that we kept on throwing him hand-me-downs. My story's a little bit more damaging. Just go, ah, oh. oh. three older sisters. In the days of gotcha. And my parents would hand me jerseys and jackets and things and say, they're unisex. I'm like, what does that mean? <laughs> what, what is, and I'd be convinced that I'm wearing, I walk out and people are like, look at me, shame poor child. <laughs> Bless him, Lord. Bless him. So this is a tough subject for me because hand-me-downs are not offering a blessing. And in Joseph's life, we would be tempted to think, well, his grandfather, his great-grandfather, Abraham, the one of the Bible. His next one, Isaac of the Bible, his dad, Jacob. And you think, what a run-up. How can this guy, obviously he was going to become prime minister. Obviously. Mm, maybe not. So I want to speak to you about some of the hand-me-downs that he's been given in his journey up until the point we encounter him and we first hear about him. Is that all right? We're going to have a bit of fun today because I want to get you excited to read the Bible. Here's your homework. Read the Bible. It's Genesis. You can't miss it. It's at the start. Okay. Hand me down number one. And, and just to help you get the picture, I'm going to have my first item of clothing because I'm going to dress up a little bit like what hand-me-downs do to us. Is that all right? So if we went to our first interview as prime minister, because that's the ultimate what happens in his life. John, bring me hand-me-down number one. Welcome to Jerry Chirwa's closet. <laughs> Thrifting is apparently a thing amongst the young these days. This is what they call drip. <laughs> so hand me down number one, deception. Oh, you thought he was going to get like good stuff. No, deception. No, Jacob, Joseph's dad, literally means the deceiver, the chiseler. He was a twin with his brother Esau, and as his brother Esau was coming out the womb, Jacob was such a deceiver in design, he's reaching out the womb, holding onto his uncle, his brother's ankle, saying, come back here. And he was never shook that off, so he kept on working deception in his life to the point that one day he convinced his brother Esau to give him his birthright for a bowl of food. Now you've got to understand that's massive. Because who's heard of Abraham, Isaac, and Esau? No, it's only ever Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Why? Because he chiseled, he deceived his brother. This is Joseph's dad. Maybe you say, but my dad was also like that. My dad lied. My dad was a deceiver. My dad lied to the revenue, his receiver of revenue, lied to his business partner, lied to everyone. Oh, you're just like Joseph. Watch what God can do in your life. See, from birth he showed, and, and then we see the story of Jacob's love life, also deception. 
He goes and, and he has to leave his land, goes to work for his uncle Laban, and he gets to Laban's house, says, I'm working and kind of putting on a good show. And Laban says, oh, well, you obviously got to be paid. He already had a plan. He says, I'll take Rachel, one of Laban's daughters. He says, I'll take her. She's, he says, no, well, there's two sisters. There's Leah, and, and the Bible describes Leah with weak eyes. Don't exactly know what that means, but I'm feeling empathy for Leah these days. And... Um, and, and, uh, and Joseph's like, not super fancy yet. So he goes off and says, I'll work for you, Laban, for seven years. Some of you think you worked hard with three dates, paid for dinner. Seven years for free, so I can get your daughter's hand in marriage. Laban goes, shh, like a deal. But you know what else in the story? He works for seven years, comes to his uncle, says, hey, how's my bride now? He says, okay, cool. Going to have the wedding procedures. We won't explain that tonight, today. And, um, and, and they're going to have a night together. And Laban is a deceiver too. So he chucks in Leah, the one with weak eyes. But obviously, Jacob also had weak eyes because he slept with her, consummated the marriage, and now married to Leah. And he goes to his uncle next morning, what did you do to me? I love Rachel. Says, yeah, but it wouldn't have been right and custom for me to hand away my second daughter and not my first. So here's the deal. Work another seven years for free, and you can have Rachel too. And Jacob goes, booyah, let's do that. So he works for another seven years, gets his wife Rachel. But you can imagine the chaos. What is the point? The point is the first hand-me-down looks a little bit like this. Sorry, Jerry. It's, it's like it just doesn't work with prime minister. Think prime minister interview. Think how stressed you would be if you were now lining up to be the next Prime Minister of England. The last one lasted 44 days. And would you choose this hand-me-down? Would you go to your great-grandpa and say, got any good clothes for my interview? Second hand-me-down. First hand-me-down deception. Second one, having to flee from home in the middle of the night. And maybe some of you as well, no, I remember that. We couldn't pay our rent, so we had to leave. Middle of the night. And, and, and dad was an abuser, so mom had to take us kids in the middle of the night. Don't put your hand up, but I know those stories are here. See, the same thing happened to Joseph. And ever heard of Abraham, Isaac, and Esau? I asked you earlier. No, because Jacob chiseled Esau. So now what's happening is granddad, Isaac, is dying. Jacob goes, oh, that's a problem. My brother's going to kill me, like literally for stealing his birthright once dad dies. So in the middle of the night, they pack up. In the middle of the night, says, come, my wives, my concubines, all of the, his whole troop says we're running and they've got little torches and the Bible speaks about how they flee in Genesis 27. And I know we're not reading a lot of scripture today, but it says that that night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two female servants, his 11 sons, and crossed the ford of the Jacob, Jabbok. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over to all his possessions. And now there's Joseph running in the middle of the night, probably 10 or 11 years old. Dad, why are we running from Grandpa? And it seems like you're running from your brother. It's all okay, Dad. He's just going. It's like middle of the night. They've left their stuff. He left his teddies. He left his stuff, his cricket kits. It's all back there. They're going, Dad, this doesn't feel like we're going on holiday. He's just, Dad, you sure? And Jacob's like, come on, come on. We're going. We're just going. See, hand me down number two, running in the middle of the night from trouble. Maybe you don't know how to face trouble, challenge, trial, relational difficulties within your family, so all you know is to run because that's what you got handed down. How about a hand me down there, Jonah? Just to help the image, because. Hey. 
Hand me down number two. Running in the middle of the night. Thanks, Jerry Chua. Hand me down number three. There's abuse. And it's tragic story as Dinah. There's 11 brothers and one sister. And she gets raped. She gets raped. Joseph's oldest sister, the only one who would probably would have cared for him. The only one who would have looked at him. The, one, the older brothers are like, ah. But, but probably the sister would have looked after the little brother. She gets raped. And, 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 and then dad, not only does she get raped, dad goes, hey guys, hey guys, don't cause chaos with our new neighbors. We're not going to go after them. We're not going to sort them out. Just, just relax. We're not going to get retribution. In days of retribution, dad is a wimp and won't deal with the abuse. And Jonah, Joseph has to watch this. And he gets a hand-me-down in his story, a, a landmark in his story of abuse. Maybe you've got that too. It's getting hot up here, but one more, Jonah. Wow. Okay. Looking good for Prime Minister? You think you're ready for the promotion God's got for you? You're wearing the hand-me-downs your dad gave you? Hand-me-down number four, murder. So dad says, don't do anything, but they come up with an agreement. As this young man who raped his sister says, I want to marry her. They say, okay, cool. You guys want to marry her? All the men in your tribe get circumcised. All of them. Imagine that was your brother right there, oh, like flip. So they all get circumcised, and the Bible says, and there were so many scriptures that I wanted to read today, but the Bible says they all, they're lying, I'm not going to dramatize that moment, but um, they, 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 they're getting restored after being circumcised, which in those days wasn't like it is at your private hospitals these days. It's, um, it's a gruesome process, and it takes weeks of restoration, and while they are recovering, Two brothers tune, hey, we don't like dad's solution, and they go in and kill all the men. Murder. That's murder. They've come to an agreement. There's murder in his death. Maybe there's murder in your story. And, and I don't know what murder looks like, but it looks like a hand-me-down that just doesn't fit. I'm, I'm missing one. I'm going to go big here. The infamous Jerry Pills. <laughs> Look like a prime minister to you? See, he gets death as hand-me-down number five. And a murder as hand-me-down number four, but death as number five, as Deborah does. Deborah, we don't know much about Deborah, but everyone seems to love Deborah, and she gets buried in a fancy place under the oak tree at Bethel. Then Joseph's mother and, and Rachel, who was desperately in love with her father and was the love of his father's life and would have seen his father, Jacob, going, my Rachel, who I worked 14 years for, dies. And then Isaac dies. The legend of faith. The Isaac of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob dies. See, there's death. Maybe death in the last two, three years has been a marker in your story and saying, God, how could you do anything with my story? And hand me down number six, sexual chaos. Rachel dies, and while Jacob mourns, Joseph's father, one of Jacob's older, Joseph's older brothers, goes and sleeps with his father's concubine, essentially wife. And his, fa- his brother sleeps with the father's wife while he mourns his other wife. I know, interesting days. How could that be? Pearls are even falling off.
See, here are the hand-me-downs. Deception, having to flee from home, abuse, murder, death, sexual chaos. Doesn't sound like the start of something incredible, does it? I'm sweating badly. And I want to show you because I'm telling you, people come to church every week and they go, God, I know I'm blessed, but that means I'll just get to heaven. And they forget that when God does something in your life, it's not for your glory. Stop being so falsely humble Christian and live the biggest life you can be. Say yes to the biggest story you can. Why? So that he can get the glory. So that the hand-me-downs in your life can be defeated by the power of the cross. See, there was another guy who got shocking hand-me-downs. His name was Jesus. Go and read his lineage in Matthew chapter 1 if you've got time to read off the Genesis. There's chaos. Absolute chaos. And David's in there. David, who's celebrated for taking down Goliath. Also the guy who slept with a lady, had her husband killed, and had an illegitimate child. What about Judah? And, and Judah was the one who sold Joseph into slavery and became a slaver. What about Rahab? And she's famous in the Indian, but she was a prostitute. And there was more than one in the lineage of Jesus. All these sacrifices offered that Solomon jumped in and Solomon shouldn't have taken other wives, but he took other wives and brought chaos into the lineage and the story of the people of God. And not in the lineage you read in Matthew, but in the lineage of Jesus, there's Adam and Eve, the authors of original sin, introducing chaos. That's all in the hand-me-downs to Jesus, and we're sitting here, we're going, what did I get handed down? God says, watch the life of a man named Joseph. And watch what I did with his life. Yes, because of the sovereignty of God, and yes, because of the providence of God, but also because of a man who was willing in those circumstances in jail, whipped, beaten, diverted, sold by his brothers into slavery. Watch what I can do. Can we stand? Thank you so much for joining us. If you'd like to take your next step or find out what is happening in the life of the church, head over to our website or follow us on social media. Cheers.